listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for just round about Valentine's Day of 2013. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Aliens vs. Predators 2. You're such a liar. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Jason McMaster of Jason McMaster fame, and my game of the week is not... Well, anything with aliens in it. So, just we'll say the original Alien vs. Predator game. Oh, what was the one for the Jaguar? We'll use that one. Yeah. My name is Graham, and I'm going to make the bold choice and avoid aliens entirely and say that my game of the week is not Command & Conquer Red Alert 2. Oh, my God. No. My <sighs> game of the week is not that. See, at least, at least Graham had an original choice, McMaster, and he didn't just rip off my non-game of the week. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> no problem. Graham, thank you for hanging out with us today. We've asked you here because, uh, first of all, you've been with us before. You are on the forums as, let's see if I get this right, Gaiadon? Yeah, that's close right. enough for a made-up name. Exactly, yeah. It's not a real word, so you can pretty much pronounce it however you want. Uh, you've hung out with us on the podcast before. I think we talked a lot of Far Cry 3. You are an Assassin's Creed aficionado. But you, like me and Jason McMaster, have finished – actually, you know what? Not finished. Have gotten to the ending at least once of Dead Space 3. That's right. Huzzah. Uh, so I'm going to warn everyone listening, uh, I just really want to gab about Dead Space 3 for a bit. So this is going to be a Dead Space 3 spoiler-filled podcast. If Please. you, yeah, if you were, if you're like, oh, I don't want to know what the deal is with the markers, or, oh, does Ellie live or die, or, oh, what happens with the love triangle? Like, if all that stuff is important to you and you want to find out on your own, this is not the podcast for you until you've finished the story at least once. We're going to so, tear that open. We are going to eviscerate Dead Space 3. We're going to basically gut the spoilers oh. out of – we're going <laughs> to slice it open and and pull spoilers out the way you would pull intestines out of a gutted xeno-necromorph. I, I think I screwed up. I've been playing a lot. I've been killing a lot of aliens in space dungeons lately, so I might s- screw up some of the terminology. Oh. I apologize for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so so let's uh, let's start with you, Graham. Graham, why don't you establish for us your bona fides with the Dead Space series? Is it something you've been with all along, or are you kind of new to it? Uh, no, I'm an old Dead Space player. I started with Dead Space 1 um, back when it first came out in 2008, I think, and I've just kept playing the series ever since. It was really the first horror game that I played that I was like, uh, really into, I guess. I'd played like Resident Evil before, but they never really clicked with me. But Dead Space I really enjoyed, and it freaked me out. And the, the series has gotten less scary ever since, which is sure something we'll talk about. But those are my bona fides. I've played every game at least twice. Uh, well, except the third one, which I've only played once. Now, let me actually throw you a little curveball, Graham. Uh-oh. Isn't the Dead Space on the Wii? There was a Wii Dead Space that was oh, right. a completely different product, isn't it? I could be wrong about this. Are you yeah, talking about a, the PS? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think there's also. I mean, there's also a few other. There's a mobile version. There's some other things. So uh, the core, the core series: Dead Space, Dead Space Two, and Dead Space Three. Those are my oeuvre. The ones that count. We'll call them. Okay. Yeah, uh, McMaster, see, how about? Yeah, go ahead, McMaster. I mean, the the problem though is that 
You you all you play everything on the 360, right? So you missed like the Dead Space 2 PS3 stuff. What was, was the that Dead me? Space? Yeah, and what was the Dead Space 2 PS3 stuff? Okay, well, it came with the Wii game uh, on the PS3, the Dead Space 2, but you had to, you could use the Move controllers for it. So I played through a good bit of it as well. And um, it was a completely separate mm. Dead Space, McMaster. Yes, it was a separate Dead Space. Mm-hmm. And did it was you play? A, Oh, go ahead. It was a rail shooter. It was like House of the Overkill. And, and did so. you play the character uh, you were playing Ursula Bradbury in that game? I thought she played Isaac Clark, but uh, I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. You're so funny, Dad. <laughs> uh, all right, so, McMaster, so you also have Dead Space Bonafides. Now, uh, let's, so you've played one and two as well, right, McMaster? I have, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have as well, and I did not really care for either one of them. Uh, so what's kind of remarkable for me is that suddenly, uh, holy cats, I really like a Dead Space game um, for reasons that we'll get into. So I'm going to be the resident hater who has sort of come around to, to, okay. uh, to the games. Yeah. Now, you guys both uh, – McMaster, how did you feel? So how would you characterize uh, yourself? Were you into the previous Dead Space games? Like you liked them? Yeah, I like them, but it, they they reached a point of tedium with me, I think, through each playthrough, mm-hmm. uh, where it was just like, oh, cool, another corridor that I dismember shit in. So uh, it just, I don't know. Uh, I liked them, but I, I think I liked them more as a concept than an execution. And just in a, as a quick thumbnail, would you say overall you're 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 down with Dead Space Three? How are you feeling about that? Oh yeah, no, I really I really like it. Yeah. Okay, and Graham, how would you characterize how you feel about three? I really like it, definitely. I yeah, it it's great. All right, so we have three fans of it here, uh, which is fine. Um, let's talk about why we like it. Uh, so, McMaster, why don't you start us off? What's one thing about Dead Space Three that really makes it work for you? Um, well, this one's a little, I guess, kind of a complex answer uh, in multiple parts, uh, kind of. But it's the, the the shooter controls on it, in short, are much better than Resident Evil Five shooter controls, which is a game it's similar to in a lot of ways, but I, that I liked a lot. So it, it's just kind of a better feeling game overall. So basically the interface you're saying? or Yes, the... I, like, I like the interface, but I also like how crisp the controls are for a shooting game. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just any shooting game, but for that kind of shooting game, it's very important that your controls respond to you. Uh, and, and they don't work against you, which mm-hmm. has always been Capcom's problem. Uh, yeah, so why does this work then and not – because I see a lot of similarity between this and Resident Evil 5 where you're not necessarily nimble. Like you're not – that's one of the – so I, I think I'll, I'll do this a fair bit, but one of the problems with uh, Aliens Colonial Marines, which I've also played and has a lot in common with Dead Space 3, is it's your typical – you're just sort of gliding around. It's first person, of course. Um, but there's no real sense of interaction with the environment. There's no sense of personality in terms of how you're shooting or what you're shooting. Uh, there's something in Dead Space 3 that really makes it gratifying, just the, the feeling of movement and positioning and, and how you have to make tough choices about when to aim um it 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 does kind of remind me of of a great evolution of what they were trying to do with resident evil 5 and 6 um and i don't remember it being this good in the first two games but maybe that's just because i didn't care for the games so so graham do you do you see much of 
a change in how res, uh, Dead Space 3 con- controls versus Dead Spaces 1 and 2? Well, I think that it is definitely, it's definitely faster. Um, you know, Isaac is more, is even more of an action hero in this one, so the aiming is definitely crisper. Um, and you can do that little dive roll move now. Is that new? That's all new, and it's, it's actually ah. a really big change. Um, yeah to the way combat works. Um, but that also really helps. It changes, you know, it, it, but yeah, it helps the control. So it definitely feels a lot faster. Like when you want to turn around, you can do it a lot faster. Just to choose one important example, because there are a lot of times you hear something behind you and you're like, oh, crap. Uh, one th- I do miss uh, Resident Evil 5 had, I believe, and even 6, an instant turn 180-degree control. Like that was something you could just instantly flip around, and I, I kind of sometimes want that in Dead Space 3, but it feels nimble enough that I don't feel too much at a disadvantage because I can't do that. Um, and and to get to what McMaster was talking about, uh, that's a lot of what makes it work for me, is just how yeah. how gratifying it feels. Just just the feeling of shooting a gun, the impact with you know the, the aliens, and, and it, it just, the, the actual gunplay for whatever intangibles go into that works so well for me. Um I think. So you're saying it's visceral? No, I'm more oh. leaning. I'm more leaning towards it being uh, immersive and fun. I think. I was just getting that out of the way early, so I wouldn't be like waiting to do it later. Just. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. You, you, you're making, making your name joke there, making you funny. Yeah. Yep. And to be fair, it is it is literally visceral. By the way, uh, it's right. just it's yeah. just so much about eviscerating things and just the the meat of the monsters. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Dead Space Three is really the game that's going to get visceral known for something other than Dante's Inferno. They that, they oh. did Dante's Inferno for EA. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did <laughs> amazingly, but yeah, they they did. Well, all right, so the gunplay we like. McMaster, you like the interface. Uh, how do you guys feel? I mean, this has been consistent all along. Uh, it is, in a way, interface-less in that you're never – I don't think there's ever anything on the screen that's not part of the environment in that all of the, the, your inventory and your mission log and your you know press here to open this door, all that stuff is a part of the world. It's like a holographic display. As a matter of fact, the only thing I can think of that's not part of the world is looking for the progress saving marker. You know <laughs> yeah. you can back out. Like that's the only time that I realize I'm looking in an interface. Other, otherwise, the interface mandate of this game is to put everything in the world, uh, even to a fault sometimes. Like sometimes I'm in an elevator and I want to check my ammo or how much tungsten I have, and I can't <laughs> quite angle the camera where I can see over yep. to that corner of the display. Um, and that, that to me, I'm, I'm surprised at how effective that is without you even necessarily noticing it i mean it, it's that's a good point actually because i before you mentioned it, it's, it's stuff you notice i guess uh when you're playing the game i haven't really thought about it yeah it's actually really cool the design mandate for the entire series being that as much as possible put it in the environment yeah and there's no you know there's no health bar that's all your i mean Game game designers have been experimenting with that since they put that heart tattoo on the woman's breast in Trespasser. But this whole idea of you're not going to have a hit point bar floating on the HUD, you know, that's something that Dead Space 3 did from the beginning. And it's 
it's it's a key part of, I think, what makes it work. You know, it, it, you made fun of it, uh, Graham, but I think it's perfectly reasonable to talk about it being visceral in the same sense <laughs> that that lack of, of HUD is a key part to making it immersive as, as well. Um, I, I agree. I love the lack of a HUD. That was, I mean, it, it start, I feel like it was really effective in the first game because it meant you never left the world, so you're always in this really terrifying place that wanted to kill you. Um, and now that it's... Now that there's less emphasis on like the horror, it's still it's still just beautiful, and also it just feels really tight and really consistent. God, you know, Graham, when you say that, what it makes me think of about never leaving the world, uh, that's a big part of what made Far Cry 2 work for yeah. me. Uh, and I, I never would have connected that in my head for why I'm enjoying Dead Space 3 and why I enjoyed Far Cry 2. Uh, you never pull up a HUD. And that's something, too, that I had when I was trying to think of things that made Dead Space 3 special for me. I, I like the idea that there is no map in this game. Right. Um, right. Now, you kind of – you don't necessarily need one because of the way it's laid out. Um, a lot of the progression for the little quest bits is pretty linear, and they'll guide you through certain areas, but it doesn't feel linear. And if you want to backtrack, which sometimes you might want to, or if you want to scavenge for resources um, – as I've played, I've, I've basically played over the game probably three times at this point. Um, and as I've played it each time, I'm getting a really powerful sense of place uh, from from the ship graveyard. And, and the planet side, not so much, but certainly the ship graveyard does a great job of laying out a world, and it doesn't need a map to do it. It does it by doing things like having you maneuver in that skip, the little uh, spaceship shuttle, mm -hmm. uh, by showing you maps of, say, the Terra Nova, the big ship with a fore midsection and aft section, um, letting you see out windows every now and then. Like, I have no idea what the Roanoke is shaped like, this first space station you come to, but I do have a sense for having to crawl around it, and I have... I have a sense for what it looks like from the perspective of a little spaceman floating around outside of it. Um, so by never taking me out of the world, it's creating this world for me in in a way that I think would lose a little bit of its spectacle if I ever looked at an overhead map of the corridors and whatnot. Uh, so right, I really like that we don't have that. I, I, there have been maps in the past in Dead Space games, and I wonder if they looked at the level design of this new one, they're like, we need to take it out because looking at the map is just looking at, you know, it's like forward, forward, right angle, forward, <laughs> go down a the ladder. They're like, this is terrible. Like, we don't want anyone to see this. I agree when you're, when you're walking through it, when you're, when you're playing it, it feels very, you know, it feels very real. It feels like, uh, you know, a place that you're exploring. But if you, if you just saw like a 2D representation, I bet it would be pretty, pretty dreary. So I think that was a good call. Yeah. There are parts, Graham, by the way, when you're on planet side, uh, I'm thinking specifically of when you have to gather the pieces of Rosetta, and some of them are in the geology mm. branch, some of them are in paleontology. There are parts where you come up to a 2D map posted on a wall, and it is that very same. It's the overhead 2D. You can see the shape of the rooms. Um, they don't force you to look at it. It's not like Silent Hill where you pick it up and it goes into your inventory, but you can definitely see. I sit there looking at this map thinking man, I'm glad they're not forcing me to look at this when I'm trying to get around. Uh, you know, right. it's kind of cool to sit here and see this in the lobby, but I'm glad I'm not having to refer to this. Uh, and, of course, they have that awesome waypoint tool, which, again, is another example of things being in the world, uh, which I really like. Uh, 
Yeah, so, and another thing okay. also, just mm-hmm. about being in the world and also the sense of place I think that works is uh, there's no, you know, there's no loading. It, it all streams continuously. Yes. Well, so you see that. There's, well, there is there's, loading. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There's no, uh, there's no loading screens. You know, it never mm-hmm. stops. No status bar. Yeah, yeah I hear exactly. you. Right. It never stops the gameplay. I mean, there's a great, there's, for me, one of the moments I really liked in this game, Dead Space 3, is when I was in the first optional mission you can do where you're in the science vessel. And yeah. you, Greeley? You know, the, yeah, so I, I, yep. yeah, the Greeley, exactly. So I fly there in the yeah. skip, and I, you know, I fly, I'm flying around in space. I go inside the ship, and I go inside, and I do the mission. I walk back out, and I leave the ship, and it just felt so... So natural and so physically present. I felt like as I left the ship, I could float around it, you know, 360 degrees around it in space. Uh, and I could think, like, I could just land back on the airwalk and go on the, on the airlock and go back inside the ship and go through all the corridors, you know, in the captain's chamber and the radio room and all the places I'd just been. Like, it felt as if I was looking, even though, you know, it was just a 3D model, it felt as though I was looking at a place with an interior that I had explored, uh, and it just felt so natural and convincing uh, that it, I really appreciated it. And that all comes from adding the, the extra scope of having, rather than just one ship, having it be a ship graveyard, they just get so much mileage out of that, like moving from ship to ship, seeing it from the exterior before you go into it. Um, you know, I love this idea of establishing a setting that way with an exterior shot. That's how movies work. You know, the audience gets an establishing shot, they see the house or whatever, and then you're inside of it. Um, that's a key part of the cinematicness of that ship graveyard uh, sequence in Dead Space 3. Uh, I really like that as well. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing that really uh, brings to mind for me is like when I first played the first Dead Space, I always remember that the lack of a UI gave it this really claustrophobic feel. And uh, and this game uh, has that again. Uh, I think it was kind of, I don't know, it didn't feel the same in Dead Space 2 uh, to me. But uh, there's this, when you're floating around in the space parts, it's it's just this feeling of being absolutely alone. And it's, it's really, really well done. Well, I feel that way, except when you're uh, hanging out with me, McMaster, and we're floating well. in space together. <laughs> <laughs> I just pretend you're not there. Ah, that, yeah, I, I noticed you mute me. I'm sitting there telling you things, you're ignoring <laughs> me. You just got me on mute. Thanks, McMaster. <laughs> Listen. I'm listening to I Don't Want to Work, I Want to Bang on the Drum All Day at full volume in my space home. I could sing that for you if you like. I could just do that in co-op. Uh, that would be... Uh, I, don't, I think if Sarah ever heard that, we would not be allowed to play games anymore. <laughs> uh, well, let, let me mention then what I, I think is hands down my favorite thing about the game, and the reason that I have played through it so many times, that I am in what is basically a fourth playthrough, and we'll probably stick with it, uh, and what sets it completely apart for me from the first two games, I kind of like the weapon progression in Dead Space 2, where you maneuver a little schematic display and hit different nodes and unlock new abilities for the weapons. I kind of like that. That worked for me as a sort of skill tree, you might describe it. Um, I am so completely won over by the weapon progression in this. I love the combination of flexibility that you get from crafting pieces and putting them together in different ways, but without sacrificing personality. 
So, yeah. for instance, uh, you know, you could have any sort of, you know, you could, like, change the firing rate and the amount of damage a gun does, and you could, like, make it shoot electric beams or bullets. All that's in there. But one of the things that's in there is this great sense of discovery when you finally put something together and see that it's not just a different colored bullet or it's not just something that shoots faster. And for me, one of the the moments that really brings that home is finally trying out the little uh, sticky mines. You know, I, who would want – you can put something called a survey charge in a weapon. Actually, is it even from a st- survey charge? Well, anyway, you can put a component in a weapon, and you can modify that component to make it do different things. And one of the components is a grenade launcher, and yeah, everybody wants that. And I think you can modify it to make it a rocket launcher, and holy cats, everybody wants that. But then you can do things like make a mine, that, uh, a, a little timed sticky mine. Now, the thing is most people are – probably having too much fun with the grenade launcher, the rocket launcher, to even care about that little mine. But at one point, I'm like, well, I'm going to try this thing. Those things are awesome, and especially with the way the weapons work, every weapon is basically two weapons. So if you combine that little mine, that sticky mine that drops, you you throw it down, and it makes a little laser trigger at whatever angle you've stuck it to a surface, you throw it down as an area denial, a kind of a protective thing, and then whatever the other half of your weapon is doing... Is kind of it interacts with the mine. You know, the mine protects you as a little area denial bit, and you have either a short range or a long range weapon, maybe a flamethrower. Um, but just discovering how much personality those little mines had was a real revelation, and it made me realize there's so many cool things to explore in this weapon system that, with all this flexibility, it still has all the personality of developer created scripted weapon progression, uh, I think. So that that is hands down what's carrying me through so many playthroughs of this game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The whole weapon system is really clever, and it's just so fun. I mean, the the suspense of the game is like, for me, is like building something. I'm like, what the, what the crap is this going to do? You know, I've got to go try it out on the next room full of monsters. And then, exactly, and then there's that thrill of, oh, that's what it does. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. You see the little, you see the little icons on the bench. There's like a little poof of the little cloud coming out of the, you know, the barrel, and you're like, what does what does that represent? It's like the contact beam or whatever, you know, huge. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Energy. The little, they're like line drawings almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like little engineer schematics that are animated. Yeah, those are beautiful. You're yeah, like trying to like, figure out what that means, and you're like, hmm. Right. How will that translate into a, given the production values of this game, which by the right. way selling point how will these cute little engineer schematic drawings translate into the dead space 3 production value yeah exactly um so let's let's talk about what kind of weapons you guys are using uh graham you i think you posted yeah. on the forum what your your favorite combo is tell us about uh what yeah, you've totally so by the end of the game so i mean i was experimenting with weapons so it's definitely hard to pick a favorite but in terms of pure practicality which isn't necessarily the best way to choose a favorite but in terms of the most practical weapon Combining a uh, burst fire assault rifle um, that shoots, you know, shots three and three round bursts with on the top with a line gun, which is a broad horizontal sort of laser beam, perfect for decapitating, was an amazing combination because I could use the line gun to, you know, take out Necromorph's legs and then shoot off an arm with a gun, which was enough to kill it. I mean, the main problem is, you know, the balance between precision. When you need to hit a specific target, like a glowing yellow spot, and a bunch of targets, like a lot of little guys or some legs, and I felt that combination let me do it uh, better than most, and I, it, it really carried me through the end of the game. So, mad props to that combination. 
So you know what, what I feel is missing from that combination, Graham? Because I love, too, how there's a the basic component is a military engine, and I love mm-hmm. how that can mm-hmm. translate into like an assault rifle or a carbine or a shotgun. I've loved playing with that. But what I miss with a military engine is – and I'm going to use this word, I can't help it, is the, the, the visceral feel of a spike thrower. You know, right. a, spike, a spike thrower has that precision, that pinpoint damage application that a military engine can have with an assault rifle. But, man, I just love the way that a javelin, that a spike thrower, whether it's javelins or, or I think a rivet gun, I love how much kick uh, you see in the world with a spike thrower weapon. <laughs> that's, that's what's won me over a lot. Um, uh, McMaster, yeah, what do we see you packing most often, McMaster? If we were to just sort of a day in the life of McMaster and Dead Space 3, uh, what, what do you bring to work? <laughs> uh, you know, what I actually use most of the time is uh, a machine head for the top and bottom and just a salt rifle with a shotgun. Because, you know, um, every 10 stream. <laughs> yes. Well, they they kind of here's what I I don't here's what part of what I resist about that as well. Uh, Graham, did you get the limited edition that, that starts yeah. you off with two badass? Guys? I yeah. hate because I, I I think that almost encourages people. Those are such good, solid, all around yeah. effective weapons that I think it kind of robs the game a little bit of its early progression where you're learning the different things and you could you could get through a lot of the game without necessarily swapping those out. Yeah. Well, the the evangelizer shotgun, especially, I think, is just it's just a cheat. I mean, it's it's basically a shotgun, except it does like twice as much damage. It's pretty absurd. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it does. Uh, I can't I can't, <laughs> but, I can't help myself if it's, it's there. Yeah, I understand. I totally understand. And when you get those little dogs, you know, those little dogs with the three tentacles. And you oh, blast yeah. them, and in one shot, you know, all three tentacles blow off, and they fly back. You're like, oh, all right, that's oh, pretty yeah. sweet. Why, why would I ever change? Yeah. Now, I and will just, say – go ahead, McMaster. Sorry. No, I mean, just having, like, a machine gun on top uh, and the fact that that, like, frame comes with all the circuits, like, open initially uh, makes it kind of hard to resist, you know, um, because you can get so much range out of the machine gun itself. Which is very important in Dead Space, particularly when there's uh, no gravity. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it's just like such a great weapon. So what I did with those things, and I don't think the game necessarily makes it clear that you can do this, but what I did with those limited edition guns is I immediately dismantled them. Uh, and just started using bits and pieces of them. I, I basically used the frame, and I tried using like different components in the frame, and I would eventually use the negotiator and evangelizer components again. Um, but I don't think that – I just wanted to resist this powerful toy that EA wanted to dump in my lap with the limited edition and just sample different things. Uh, yeah. so, so I immediately took those things apart, and I don't think this is necessarily clear – when you're first playing, you can dismantle weapons, and you're not. It's different from selling them or right. cashing them in. Like, there's no penalty for dismantling a weapon. And I can imagine the game doesn't necessarily make that clear. So I can imagine some people might be reluctant about that. Um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that too for a second, because I remember a point in the game where uh, you having your weapons might have been uh, advantageous. Uh, I don't know if you remember that when we were doing the first puzzle where you have to move stuff around. Uh, the first puzzle where you have to move stuff around. 
uh, from the uh, from the uh, tram tracks. McMaster, by the way, okay. that just. Dis- that describes McMaster every single puzzle in the history of all puzzles. <laughs> Except it's the but, first one, jackass. So, so, <laughs> you're saying the train platform when you're, train you're escaping platform, the lunar yes. colony. You're escaping the lunar colony, and you need to connect the train, the locomotive, and the, like the power. Actually, I think McMaster's oh, no, talking no. about where you have to clear the tracks, tracks to bring right. the, the the shuttle in, to bring the the tram in the. T- so you go to the Terra Nova, you have to ride a tram oh. from the four section back, and you have to clear the tracks of of junk. So there's a little matching puzzle where you rotate two pieces and fit them together, and you have to do this, I think, six times to clear the tracks of junk. Now, if you do this single player, it's ridiculous. It's a formality. Oh, you're, you're just, you. okay. Yeah. Now, McMaster, why don't you explain to Graham what happens when you do that co-op? Yeah. When you, when you do that co-op, uh, one player has to kill a ton of stuff. <laughs> the other player does the puzzle. So Not I, only that, that ton of stuff. And keep in mind, McMaster, that ton of stuff is trying to attack the player doing the puzzle. Right. So you're defending, you're defending the player trying to put yes. it all together. You are suddenly dumped into a, a crazily difficult escort mission, basically. <laughs> right, and like you know, Tom's like, "Oh, you haven't done this one yet," because he played through it. And I was like, "No," he's like, "I want you to give it a shot." And I'm like, "Okay." So I'm like flipping those freaking things around. Right. And then of course there's a necromorph right up my ass immediately <laughs> because of Johnny Gun dismantle and. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, he found like a sporting uh, slingshot, like somewhere. <laughs> like put that together real quick, and was like, oh yeah, I got you. So you know, um, anyway, Master, so I, we, I feel that the choices. yeah, the slingshot gives the monsters a fair chance. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most sporting way to kill the neck. I mean, to be, it's just a slingshot, but it has a plus three damage chip in it. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was rich. Yeah. <laughs> Once it, actually, while we're talking about build it, build it, putting together the weapons, mm-hmm. uh, there's one thing I really liked, and that this partly speaks to the amazing production values of the game, is that each component sort of has its own look. You know, when you put when you put them together, and has its own unique reloading animation. Yeah. But because one weapon, like one frame, can hold two weapons, you'll end up reloading one weapon with an incongruous animation, which led to me reloading my shotgun by revving a chainsaw, which was pretty much the most badass thing I'd ever seen. Uh, so I, that was another moment that Dead Space 3 really clicked for me, when I was like, oh, I just blast, I've had shotgun shells, what am I going to do? I was like, holy crap, because I had the, the Ripper module on top. And yeah, Graham, nice. that, that that completely gets to the point about how they have personality. You know, the yeah, fact so- that the Ripper core reloads by pulling a, a, a pull cord and, and it's like starting a lawnmower. I loved discovering that. That was just such a great little, uh, just a great little animation touch. And and what a great take on sci-fi gun porn as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, these are no mere laser guns. Uh, these aren't just oh, no. different shotguns. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, so I don't know if you guys played with – McMaster, actually, I credit you with this. Uh, so later in the game, you start finding components that you won't find early in the game. Uh, and it's one of the many things, by the way, that makes this game so replayable. Because if you then go back and play New Game Plus, you can use these awesome late-game components on the early game stages. Um some of the later components, for instance, 
are, there's a, an explosives module and an electrocution module. And I found these, couldn't figure out what to do with them, but I was enjoying the game too much, so I was like, I'll figure it out later. Then McMaster and I were playing co-op. Uh, I forced McMaster, I wouldn't let him leave the workbench once he found his explosives module until he figured out how it worked. I was like, McMaster, we're not going anywhere until you put that on a weapon. And it's what called it called explosives module. You would think, like, okay. Like you have to use it. You, but you don't want it just sitting around in your backpack. I think it's off. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, now, McMaster, did you end up figuring it out, or did I? I forget who figured it out. Uh, I Google figured it out after a while. <laughs> That's I, right. McMaster did uh, Right. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's really just that it attaches to a frame, but it doesn't attach to the machine uh, or a military engine. Well, what it does, and there's a couple of things like this, and I think actually the word module, if it has the word module, I might be mistaken about that, because... It, it can be hard to parse, but I believe they have a pretty careful vocabulary for the different parts. Um, so every frame, not every frame, most frames have two slots. And you put any weapon you want in the top slot and any weapon in the bottom slot. So if it's called a module, and this applies to an explosives module, an electrocution module, or something called a rotator cuff module, it takes up the second slot only if a certain weapon is in the top slot. So, for instance, if you have a line gun that cuts a vertical line or a horizontal line through aliens, and then you put a rotator cuff module in that frame second slot instead of a weapon, the, the line gun can pivot horizontally or vertically. Similarly, if you put an explosives module in the second slot for, like, a sniper rifle, your bullet can then, instead of you having a secondary weapon, your bullet, the, the trigger for the secondary weapon, will detonate your bullet with explosives. So you fire a sniper bullet, you know, you stick it into something, and then you set off the explosion. And it's the same with the electrocution module. You fire a bullet, and then your secondary firing button triggers a, a, an area effect electrocution. Um, so, And that's a late-game thing. I don't think you get that until the alien ruins, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, but what a great mechanic, and I kind of applaud the fact that they don't fold it in until late in the game, because then the game's over and I still want to play with that thing. You know, I right. still want to go around and use my electrocution carbine uh, thing. Um, uh, acid baths and flame glazes. Have you guys played with those much? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I have. And I mean, yeah, you sort of mentioned, you know, you referenced this when you're talking about keeping the explosion module in the backpack, but I did imagine, you know, as a car getting up to the bench and you're like, Goes through. He's like, "Oh, where's where's the acid bath? Where's the flame glaze?" I'm like, "This is the most dangerous backpack in <laughs> known space. Like, this is don't you don't just open it and go rooting around in it. You know, you put on gloves. It's very you have to be very careful of that stuff. And but yeah, that this with side, the, yeah, with the acid bath especially on. I mean, it, the acid bath. What it does is it deals uh, you know damage over time to enemies it hits, which makes it perfect for." a sort of spray-and-pray kind of weapon. So you get into a room of all those little shrieky guys or whatever, just shoot shoot the whole screen, and who knows if you hit them, but you'll know you did because they'll poison to death while yeah. you're focusing on some other enemy. Took uh, me a while to figure out how to use that. Your, uh, your, your, your spray-and-pray, Graham, I think has a third component you're neglecting. Uh, with an acid bass, I like to think of it as spray, pray, and run away. Because <laughs> you can just shoot and hope that you're doing enough damage over time. That's true. Because there, there are a lot. And it, so here's another thing, too. Um, 
Graham, you mentioned like the that that negotiator shotgun and how in one blast it kills those dogs, and you're like, oh, why would I ever use anything else? Uh, the the way the combat changes as you try harder difficulty levels is so incredibly gratifying to me. Um, I, you know, you can play through, and this is what I pretty much did. Uh, my first playthrough, I just played through on casual because I wanted to get a whole bunch of loot, equipment. Uh, and then when you go back and you're playing on hard or impossible, and we'll talk about the new game plus modes in a minute as well, um, it just feels so completely different. You can't just cheese your way through by shotgunning those dogs. You have to, you don't have to, but the most effective way to get through the game on the harder difficulty levels is actually playing the combat model as it's designed, which is namely using dismemberment and often freezing things so you're basically, I guess in, a, in an MMO it would be called mezzing them. Like you basically mez something so it can't hurt you <laughs> and you, you turn your attention to something else or you mez it so that you can attack it more precisely. Uh, I just think that as you raise the difficulty level, and this is true of any well-made game, by the way, uh, the, the tactical richness uh, comes through so much more clearly. Uh, and I really admire that part of the design as well. Um, so, so how much have you guys fiddled in with uh, any of the harder difficulty levels? So, Graham, you, you got through it once. Uh, yep. No, no shame if you, if you played it on easy. Uh, how, yeah, how, what level were you playing it with? Uh, I was on hard. Aha, well, very, from the get-go. Look at you. From the get-go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of difficulty being more a more tactically rich experience. I prefer higher difficulties, although I knew from past Dead Space games that Impossible was really tough and... I wasn't quite ready for that. So, I mean, I, I'm i going to tackle that with a new game plus, I think. Go for the impossible difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, McMaster, how about you? Well, I played through on normal for most of it when I wasn't on uh, <laughs> Sissy Mary slap fight mode with you. Um, <laughs> but McMaster, that was just, we were just booming up. We were just building up our economies, you see. <laughs> I think I think my favorite part of uh, all the booming up of economies we did was... Uh, was all the parts you claimed that we were going to die on over and over again that we just flew directly through. Oh, that's true. I would get to some area and say, okay, Mimraza, this is a real pain in the butt. I played this one. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna. It's gonna. It took me like eight times when I played it, and then McMaster and I, like that, are just through it. And I was like, oh, maybe it was a different part I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, but so I, I do feel though, because now I'm on a, I'm on a hard playthrough uh, with one of the new Game Plus modes. Um, it benefits so much, too, from playing cooperatively when you're really trying to push yourself through a harder difficulty level. And I can imagine that's a lot of what the impossible difficulty is about, is coming back with, with some good weapons and with a buddy. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, that's a lot of why, why I liked Resident Evil 5. That was a huge part of the appeal of that game, is building up my arsenal and then coming back playing it cooperatively and that's just so much a part of what dead space 3 has been like for me building up the arsenal me and mcmaster coming in and, and doing an area again um I, I'm, I'm quite fond of that so so graham have you gotten to try any co-op no i haven't so uh, you because because as okay so then let's talk about this how do you then feel graham when you get to an area and you're like oh i want to go in the Bresseloff, uh and the game tells you, sorry, you need a buddy to come in here. Uh, I, fe- I mean, I feel fine about it. The game itself is already uh, maybe even a bit too big. I mean, it's a great, you know, it's a good long, it took me maybe like 18 hours to finish the 
campaign on hard, and I was ready to be done with that playthrough at the end. So I definitely wasn't like, oh, I need more content. I mean, I, I was skipping, you know, optional missions that I could go on mm-hmm. by the end, you know, because most of the missions are, are fine, you know, for single players. Uh, so I don't feel bad at all. I assume, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think it, I assume that they use that opportunity to do things with the co-op that they couldn't do with a, with one person. So as long as they're doing that, then I, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think if you're going to work so hard to put uh, co-op into your game, which it seems like Visceral did, then really going the extra mile and making that and give it, at least creating certain areas where they could really take advantage of that yeah. uh, is 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 a great thing. So, and I don't want to spoil. I have no and I don't want to spoil any of the co-op stuff, but there are points where you know they they definitely do things in the co-op missions that would make no sense in single player, like where they they split you up kind of, or they find gimmicks. Uh, and a lot of times, playing with the horror theme uh, that they couldn't do with just one player. Um, and by the way, it's it's easy as pie when you host a co-op game to just jump to. The waypoint, you can go to chapter select, and you choose what chapter you want to play. And furthermore, you choose what checkpoint you want to start at. So if, like, Graham, if you and I ever just wanted to, like, jump right into the Bristle-Off, which is that first co-op mission, we I would just go to the chapter, I guess it's four or whatever, and then scroll down to the Bristle-Off checkpoint. I would host a game. You would join me, and bam, we're right there at the beginning of that co-op mission. Uh, it's real friendly to let you jump around to whatever point you want in, in that regard. Um, and this also, of course, gets into the economy. Um, so let, let's talk a bit about that. So for me, part and parcel of the weapon progression system is the economy, is because you know you, you need the resources to build the components. Sometimes, sometimes you find the components, of course. Um, you use resources to improve your rig, which is basically your character, how many pip, hit points you have, your armor, how effective your stasis is. Um, so, Graham, on your playthrough, uh, you mentioned it was hard. Uh, were you ever hurting for resources? Sometimes. It's pretty, I mean, not really. It's pretty rare. There's typically, I need resources in one particular case. Like, I was in a really, like, I actually abandoned one of the side missions, which tend to be harder than the normal story, because I'd reached a room, like, I had, I'd been getting the crap kicked out of me all the way there. So I had like one little, one small health pack and I had like seven bullets. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to the next bench because I had a, I had a bunch of scrap metal that I could use to build more bullets. So I was like, okay, I'll just go to the next bench. But I was in this room that was just nightmare room from hell because, I mean, I would like, okay, go in there. There's three necromorphs over. I dismember them. Five more come in. I'm like, what? I don't have any more bullets at this point. I have no health. So eventually I just was like, well, you know, Isaac Clark cannot do this. So he turned around and left. <laughs> so in that sense, like in that room, I needed some, re- like I needed access to more resources. But once I got to the to a bench, I could turn all my, all the scrap metal and all the gel that I was carrying into health and stuff. So in that sense, I I could always build what I needed, but that wasn't always possible, if that makes sense. Right. And it really is, I think, on a normal playthrough, the, the basic game playthrough, uh, it doesn't seem like it's that punishing. Uh, yeah, like it actually, does seem like if you see a weapon and you want it, by the time I was finished, and this was on casual, to be fair, but even on normal playthroughs, by the time I was finished, I could easily get whatever weapon I wanted and improve it with some awesome chips. Like it was throwing at me enough resources that I had whatever I wanted. Now, I couldn't build one of everything, but whatever I wanted to play with, I certainly had the resources to make. 
Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and, I mean, one thing it reminded me, talking about earlier games in the series, I restarted a Dead Space 2 playthrough after finishing 3, because I was like just sort of oh. curious how they yeah. compared. And one thing that I had totally forgotten, but that instantly, you know, I realized instantly, is that in the original games, your inventory size itself begins very small. Like, I, you only have 10 slots at the beginning of Dead Space 2. So I would have, like, you know, six health packs and a stasis charge, and then, like, barely enough for bullets. And so there was a times when I'd, like, find something on the ground, and I literally couldn't pick it up, mm-hmm. which never happened to Dead Space 3, because a lot of what you find are those resources that you can hold an infinite amount of, like the gel or the scrap metal. And I think the first suit you get, you know, you can hold, like, 30 or 20. You know, you're, you, you, it's never a problem, carry, just the number of stuff you can carry. Um, so I think that right there, the, there's a very clear break from the very beginning you know there's yeah. some design meeting where they sat down they're like we don't want people to worry about like oh am i going to be able to cram this in my backpack is this gold you know ruby circuit board going to fit with my schematics <laughs> you know they're just like you know yeah you find it you can pick it up you can put it in your backpack it's not a problem you never for instance have to sew yourself a bigger purse to carry <laughs> more money <laughs> exactly although yeah though hunt you know i can sort of imagine like these these really foul bags you could create out of necromorphs <laughs> Uh, McMaster, could do for me a rendition of the sound effect we always love to hear. <laughs> Let's hear that. Oh, the oh, whoop, 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 whoop. That one. <laughs> you, you, you made it sound like Curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> well, you, you're always like the first time you heard it, I thought you were talking of like I was going to start hearing dubstep or something. You're like, you're it like, does so, some wub wub. Exactly, that's what I think of. The is it's wub wub wub. Uh, the there's a, a little sound effect that. And I must have played through a lot before I realized this was happening. That lets you know there's a scavenger bot location nearby. Uh, now you can pull up your scavenger bots and you can just look at the little readout to tell. But what if you've got your scavenger bots deployed and you're walking around and you hear that wub wub sound and you don't have any scavenger bots? For me, that's like, well, great. I got to now go back to a workbench <laughs> and wait for my scavenger bot. I can't let those go unharvested. Wow. Um, so Graham, did you did you were you a, a slave to your scavenger bots, or did you just kind of ignore that? No, not at all. I mean, I I always enjoyed finding new ones and finding places to put them down. But if uh, if they were all deployed and I discovered a new spot, I, I that wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I would just walk on by, I'd pick up my little bot at the next bench and just continue on my merry way. Graham, I, I, I applaud your lack of concern for the things of the material world, but uh, I I cannot I cannot do that. <laughs> I mean, if if it was a struggle to have the resources I needed, I might have done it. Like, so then you know, as you know, when you beat the game, you unlock a bunch of different modes. And I started a new pure survival mode, where you only have uh, the crafting resources from enemies and in chests and stuff. You never find just like a health pack lying around or bullets or whatever. You have to build everything. So I can definitely imagine in this mode. Being at a point where I'm like, yeah, I better backtrack and put down my scavenger bot, otherwise I'm never going to be able to get the resources to both build the health packs I need and upgrade my rig, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just never necessary in the normal mode, so I never did it. Well, here's why, uh, and I want to talk about pure survival because I'm convinced it's the best way to play the game. I mean, it feels like a, diff- a very different game, and I'm loving it, it in, in pure survival. But uh, the thing in a normal mode that I most care about with the 
scavenger bots. And McMaster, I'm guessing you can back me up on this. Not so much the tungsten. The tungsten's fine. It's not the transducers, the somatic gel, certainly not the scrap metal. When a scavenger bot comes in, my eye immediately goes down to see how many ration seals he brought yes, me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, McMaster, explain that. Why do we care about ration seals? Ration seals are the non-monetary way to get upgrade packs. The upgrade packs that EA is selling, so you can buy, you can go online, and for 99 cents, you can just buy a, a pack of resources. For $3, you can buy a bigger pack that also has some rare weapon parts. And I think, is it $5? I'm not actually sure what the real money uh-huh. prices are. You can, are buy, on it? you can buy the Ultra pack, which has even more weapon parts and even more resources. However, you can also get these things with these ration seals. And by my calculation... A, ca- a playthrough on casual or will earn you enough ration seals to get two ultra packs. Um, so for me, it was all about looking at that bottom line, those ration seals, to see what super weapon upgrade pieces I would get uh, when I could finally turn them in for a booster pack. Um, so because of that, and, and I know a lot, there's a bit of a backlash against EA selling these resources because it is in ways, even though it's forgiving, a resource management game. So EA is, EA is letting you buy your way around that if you want. Um, but I really like that they're also letting you just get the thrill of, ooh, what's going to be in the booster pack? And this this huge dump of resources, they're letting you get that without paying additional money. Um, so they get a lot of goodwill from me for those ration seals. Um, now, uh, so so you mentioned pure survival, Graham. By the way... Mm-hmm. That is such bull. Pure survival, my ass, because <laughs> as soon as you start that, by the way, you get to your first workbench, you could just buy the freaking resources. Ugh, so They're, annoying. I mean, again. You're saying with money. Yeah, with money. I mean, you it, can pull out your wallet. You pull out your wallet just like you can in the core game, but if they're going to call it like pure survival, I sort of, you know, there's no leaderboards or anything, so what do I care? But it's, <laughs> that's where I'd like, if they're, they're basing the entire game mode, pure survival, on more carefully scavenging your way through the world, and they're still letting people break that one. So whatever, if that's what they want to do. Um, but so, so, so Graham, you're, you, you've started a playthrough. McMaster, are you, are you vacuuming? Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. No. Little spell? Uh, I'm dreaming about vacuuming, and I just dream loud. Uh, it also it sounded like that was uh, one of the uh, it sounded like you were powering up a Tesla core weapon there as well. Uh, so they uh, the, the pure survival, as you mentioned, Graham, monsters don't drop any completed products. They don't drop health kits or ammo. You don't find frames. Uh, you don't find weapon components. Uh, so Graham, when you're playing this way. Uh, so, so you're you're enjoying your pure survival playthrough? It, it's it's different, right? It is different, and I am enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes it makes the bench location super important. Oh yes. Um, if you're ever playing the normal game and you're like, God, why is there a bench every like five friggin' rooms? It's because of this mode. Because you know you don't really. Re- I mean, you do realize it, but you don't realize quite how much. You know, you kill an enemy and he drops a health back, and the whole encounter sort of negates itself. You know, you heal yourself yes. up with the resources you got from the fight itself. But in pure survival, you know, there's none of that. You fight an enemy, you pick up the raw gel, which can really come in handy 
if rubbing raw gel on your face did anything, but apparently it doesn't. So you've got to sort of stagger with your one little flashing red health blip on your rig and uh, and hope that there's a bench in your future or you have to go back the long way to build it. it it's definitely a very different feeling. I'm, I'm making tons of bullets because I know that I'm going to, you know, I'm not obviously going to be able to build any or find any. I'm using my Kinesis module a lot more, which is a way you can grab uh, the dismembered claws and limbs of enemies and use them as offensive weapons. Um, so it's, it's a very different feel, a much more tense feeling, um, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. And it is all about sitting at that workbench, Graham, and deciding, okay, how many ammo clips am I going to make? How much somatic gel am I going to convert into med packs? You know, what do I? What resources do I think it's going to take to get me to the next workbench? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I love that feeling. I mean, that right there to me, that's this awesome bit of resource management. And that, by the way, that's that's kind of the point of any good survival horror game is deciding, you know, how many bullets do I need? How difficult is it going to make? You know, and more importantly, how much somatic gel or how much scrap metal am I going to save for rig upgrades? You know, for upgrading my hit points, my armor, for upgrading your kinesis power, which will save ammo, for upgrading your stasis power, which will let you use ammo more effectively. Um, it's just all about what trade-offs are you going to make when. And I found myself, so I'm up to like, I, I, th- I just got to the planet in pure survival mode, which is about halfway through. Uh, and I've already had just several of these these iconic survival horror moments where I know I just need to get through two more rooms, but I've only got one more bullet in my line gun, and I've only got like maybe ten more rounds in my carbine. And so I'm thinking, okay, do I want to run past here? Do I want to try to shoot these guys? Uh, you know, oh, I could try uh, to shoot the guy who has the limb, and then I can kinesis him against the other guy. Uh, I just love the situations that it puts me in to play in pure survival. And in a way, I kind of feel like it's ruined the basic game for me. Because the basic game, I've got this character who has so many awesome weapons and ration seals built up, and I'm ready to play on impossible, but I kind of don't want to go away from this pure survival mode. Uh, I'm loving what it does for the game. You know, you kill a monster, and I'm even at the point now when 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 I find somatic gel, I'm like, yes, that's just what I needed. You know, I only need I only need 30 more points of somatic gel for a medium health pack. That'll get me three pips of health. Like I'm doing all these calculations in my head as Mm -hmm. I'm playing, Uh, and I love that about pure survival. Uh, Well, I mean, the medium health pack is the sweet spot, anyway. Well, you say that, McMaster, but they, they become – because I, I ch- in pure survival, you need to know this. Uh, the, the basic health pack costs 40 somatic gel, and it will heal you up one pip of health. The, just one, huh? Just one. The medium health pack will three, heal you up three pips of health for a cost of 100 somatic gel. So, and, and in the large one, I actually haven't looked at that yet because I haven't needed it. But but it's more cost efficient to, to use increments of 100 versus increments of 40. But then there are times where I'm like, you know what, am I going to save up and maybe hope I get 20 more somatic gel from the next monster I kill? Or am I going to go through with, you know, just two small uh, med kits? Um, I, I just love the kinds of decisions and considerations it's forcing me to, to make. Um uh, all right, so have you tried then Graham Hardcore? 
I have not. And you know what? Uh, I don't think I ever will because there's so many opportunities for a flubbed quick time event or you're scaling an ice mountain and you freeze something and it's moving two inches per hour and it bonks into your character model and you explode into a torso. And I'd be like, that's it. That's how my one life ends from this totally lame game mechanic rather than some sort of combat scenario. I just, I, I, it would, it would destroy me. So I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you, here's a good one. Tom and I found the alternate ending for Dead Space 3. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. We, um, got partially through, uh, which ship was it, Tom? Uh, I, I think this was like early on in the, was it the Terra Nova, wasn't it? Terra Nova, you're right, Terra Nova, yeah. All right, so we get to a certain point in the Terra Nova, and uh, we we keep looking for these work a uh, suit kiosk. That's what it was. Right, because we wanted kiosk. to upgrade. Yeah, we wanted to upgrade our armor, our hit points, and of course you need to you want to upgrade your air, right, McMaster? That's what everybody wants. <laughs> oh yeah, number one. That's like first you have to be able to breathe, and you need to be able to bring. Breathe like these giant man-sized gulps of air too to make you feel alive in space. But anyway, uh, we. Uh, By the way, I will say I did upgrade my air simply because there's an achievement for upgrading everything on your rig. <laughs> I. Uh, but we. <laughs> we. Uh, we went. We we were like at the end of the second part. It's like a giant three-part dungeon kind of thing, and like we were at the end of the second part. So Tom's like, okay, I'll I'll track it with this thing, and we'll go and we'll go find one. And so okay. we're tracking it and tracking it and tracking it. And at one point, we realize that we are halfway through the first part of the ship. So, so we you're saying you, you'd forward. walked all the way back, right? Right. And mm-hmm. at that point, we were just like, we'll just keep going. So we get all the way back. We upgrade our suits, and we mess around, try on our different suits we'd unlocked, et cetera, et cetera. And then we come, and we, we get a partially of the way back, and then uh, one of the doors won't open. <laughs> really? So, uh, yeah, yeah, one of the doors uh, refused to open, and, and Tom oh. and I, uh, we ended our Dead Space 3 game dying in the Terra Nova, eventually. Well, I think what I've since figured out, McMaster, it locks certain areas off after you've completed them. Uh, so you have to... I think we we could have gone back into outer space and then taken a skip, the skip to where we were. Um, but yeah, we did. It did seem like uh, we were basically left to wander in eternity through a locked area. <laughs> so we restarted at a checkpoint, by the way, and it took away all the stuff that we had upgraded. Uh, right. There are some screwy save point issues with the, the game. You just have to be yeah. real careful about when. And that's what I mentioned earlier about watching on the screen for that progress saved icon. Uh, yeah, you have to be real careful when you when you quit out there. Um, so so uh, in the hardcore mode, which uh, you only get the one life, as, as you mentioned, Graham, I had decided, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see as far as uh, how far I can get. There's an achievement for it. It also unlocks something called retro mode. I have no idea what that is. Um, so I decided, yeah, I'm going to try hardcore mode. I got killed by the second monster. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're in the prologue. Nice. 
you're in the prologue. You get right. to the point where you pick up ammo and you it shows you how to open a door. And then two of these zombies with ice axes come out at you. And I killed the oh. first one. And I dismembered the second one. And it was crawling up to me. So I thought I would save ammo and stomp on it. So I walked up to stomp on it and it killed me. So my first hardcore mode game I got through two monsters. I got through one monster, actually. One monster, yeah. You didn't even get to play as Isaac Clark. Correct. But then on my second hardcore game, because that was cheap, I'm not going to let that stop me. (laughs) So my second hardcore game, uh, I played through the Ice Prologue. There's sort of the city sub-prologue before you get to the Eudora and and you you get into the the ship grave or the outer space ship graveyard. So on... uh, in that little city prologue, I played through all that very carefully, you know, doing headshots because it's human opponents, trying to save ammo, uh, you know, careful to duck, not take too much damage. Uh, and I get to the train sequence. You, you build a train and you work your way down the train and then you jump onto a shuttle. Uh, so I get to there and I jump onto the shuttle. Uh, and I know there's going to be a long cutscene. You can't skip the cutscenes. Very annoying. So I jump onto the shuttle, and then I get up and I go in the kitchen to like get oh, something God. to drink. Oh God! I totally I know what's happening. What? I'm just going to wait. I don't want to watch the cutscene. Right. Uh, fair enough. So, so then I <laughs> so then I come back to that red jelly effect of me being killed because there's a freaking quick time. You have to mash X repeatedly for the guy to help pull you onto the shuttle. And as soon as I got to the point where the cutscene took over, I thought I was done, and I walked out of the room and forgot that you had to stay and do that button mashing thing. So, Graham, I came to the same conclusion as you. There's no way I'm going to play through this on hardcore if something like that is going to screw me or one of those really annoying like timing bits where, or, oh, good Lord, imagine dying when you're like flying around the alien city and dodging mm-hmm, the debris. Mm-hmm. I am not going to play hardcore if I'm going to lose my character doing one of those or, stupid. I don't things. know if you had the same experience, but in that room where you're, when Ellie like act, you know, you're in the room with Ellie and the gas is activated. You have to escape through. Ugh. There's a set route through the room as it fills with gas. And a set route you have to do quickly, a time limited yes, exactly. set route. A time limited set route, exactly, because it's filling with gas. I probably died in that one room alone like six times, just yeah. trying to discover what route it was. And that, I mean, I'd already, I already knew long before that moment that I never wanted to do hardcore. But if I hadn't, that room would be the moment because it's exactly that kind of like designer. Uh, you know, it, it's entirely like you versus the designer in yeah. a really forced way. Anyways, yeah. So, but super unattractive as a hardcore game, I would say. Imagine how you would be sweating bullets knowing you were coming to that freaking stupid scene yeah. with a hardcore character. That <laughs> would be terrifying. Uh, and and I think so. Some folks have have rightly complained that there are all these cool new game plus modes, but you can't get to them until you've played through once on the regular mode, and they they just want to jump to some of these cool modes, and I can understand that. But I think part of the thinking is that you really need to understand the systems and the screwy little scripted challenges, like that neurotoxin gas. Like, they kind of want you to know what you're in for, I guess. I mean, I guess that's the thinking for not letting you jump straight into pure survival or hardcore. Um, I guess. I think it's absurd, though. I mean, I I assumed that, you know, I had to beat the game because it would give me... You know, I'd have, I'd get to keep my weapons, so it'd be yep. like, okay, it's too hard. Right, you right. Know, you need to get the weapons. But then I realized, right. <laughs> once you do pure survival, you're just starting from, from ground zero all over again, from floor yeah. one. And I was like, what? I don't even get to keep all my crap? Then why did I have to play the whole game just to check out this mode? I think, I mean, I think that's a really silly decision. Um, Wait, it reminds... Go ahead, sorry. I just say, let the players choose. If 
if they're like, oh, wow, I totally don't appreciate this mode because I didn't play the normal way, I mean, that's that's their loss. What it reminds me of, Graham, is those really cool modifiers you can use in XCOM, but you can't use them until you've beaten the game once. Like, that the, the changes how much damage is done and how the enemies act and how the strategic layer plays. There are all these cool new game plus options in XCOM, but I want to play from the get-go using those things uh, in XCOM. And yeah, you, it's, it's, you haven't beat XCOM? Do it. I haven't you be- haven't beaten XCOM? I, no, I have not beaten XCOM, yeah. Because uh, okay. I don't want—I want to play it with those new game plus modes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do those right off the bat. So someone work on a cheat for that. Um, uh, so let's see. So uh, and another thing, by the way, that I feel that that pure survival and hardcore really um, benefit from, and it might almost almost be mandatory, certainly for hardcore, is another player in co-op. Uh, I, I just feel like being able to—if I was to play through. Hardcore. I would need someone to be resurrecting me, like McMaster, for instance. Uh, I, I would need that to be an option during the fights. But even still, I'm not going to want to play through those silly flying bits. Like if McMaster gets killed in a flying bit and screws up my hardcore game, oh, McMaster, there would be so much hell to pay. <laughs> mm. uh, all right, so uh, let, let's talk a bit about the story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd say the the big surprise for me that sort of recast my whole understanding of Dead Space is that the final boss of Dead Space 3 is the same final boss as Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Wait, he has to fight a big flower-mouthed worm with with bulgy eyes? He has to fight the moon. (laughs) I did not know that. I haven't beat that game either. not see that genre crossover coming or that that series crossover but it's it's undeniable when you see it oh those boss fights yeah all right so uh, how about uh who here feels sorry for poor uh what's his name robert norton the snotty boyfriend <clears throat> right 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 i mean oh, what i imagine that one. <laughs> I, I actually meant to to look this up just because i was so curious but i haven't i mean did did they give this to a new writer? I'm just wondering what happens. You sit, you know, someone's like, okay, you're the writer for Dead Space. You're like, sweet. Okay, we've got zombies. We've got <laughs> space stations. We've got this weird Scientology thing. What we really need is a love triangle. The core of the story is going yeah, to be... Yeah, there's like five people left on Earth, you know, or whatever, <laughs> supposedly. And three of them are in love with each other. Yeah, I Not- just... It's well, not, not just a love triangle, by the way. It's not just a love triangle. It's a sulky adolescent right. love triangle. It's <laughs> a bizarre I, love triangle. I was just super curious about what demographic they're trying to court with the story and why it wasn't a bullet point on the box. It's like, okay, we've got it's like we've got the teen boys locked down. They're here for like the necromorphs and building their own weapons and the shotguns you rev like a like a chainsaw. And then, but maybe we can pick up a few like uh, you know maybe a few women, maybe just some introspective types. If we advertise that it's got, you know, a gripping love story, you know, it, I just couldn't imagine why they felt the need to add it and devote so many resources to it. So much of that amazing facial animation, those cutscenes of just, as you say, these sulky adolescents in the context of everyone getting eaten by space zombies. Anyway, it's really yeah. infuriating. Yeah, I love the fact that, that Norton isn't going. McMaster, why don't you explain to the audience, what is Norton's dastardly plan to, to remove you from the picture? So that only so that he gets Ellie, and that you won't stop him from deciding to fly back to Earth. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is where oh, how he's going to yeah. doom our two heroes. What 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 did he do, McMaster, to try to stop us? 
Didn't he lock us in the elevator? Yeah, he refused to open the elevator door. Yeah. Uh, and so, how did we get out of that, McMaster? That's like, you're trapped in the elevator forever, right? Right, well, the, I mean, I guess the biggest problem with the plan was that, like, every side of it was wide open. I mean, that's, it's like you could probably step out of it. Uh, but, <laughs> other than that, uh, we do have some, uh, we have magic guns. And those yeah. magic guns let us use, uh, powers that, yeah, you, have uh, to, you know, of right. telekinesis and, uh, you know. Yeah, the, dude, the dude's not going to open the elevator door, and the control for it is almost it, – it's within arm's reach. You still have to use your kinetic power, but you could just reach through the bars of the elevator to turn the little crank that opens the door. Uh, he really slowed us down there, I mean, for what, <laughs> roughly like 15 seconds, right? I mean, we – like, holy shit, we're – oh, there it is. Never mind. We're good. Uh, and also just the villain guy. I mean, good lord. I, I just – the story that – I I can't help but imagine how awesome this game would have been if there had been some some narrative that I wasn't embarrassed by. Uh, it, it did remind me a bit of Far Cry 3 for that. Uh, just <laughs> so embarrassingly, just I I would not want anyone to walk into the room while I was playing this and see one of those cutscenes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah. Some, like I fire my electric boa into a torso and it explodes, and be like, someone walks in on that, I'd probably high five them. And then they walk in on like yeah the elevator scene which was so pathetic that I mean yeah. it made it just made me sad for like for the characters for the storyteller like it was just such a dismal little scenario. It could uh, only get better if he had like stuck Isaac's hand in warm water while he was sleeping <laughs> or something, you know, or yeah, like that's, uh, that's what I, I was like. Throw a radio in the bathtub with him at some point, you know. He makes him this nice, lavish bath in the middle of space and, uh, you know, nice music Absolutely. going. Uh, so, Graham, I'm guessing you missed this, but I, when you get to the end in co-op, I wonder if it's single player this happens. When McMaster and I got to the end in co-op, there's this, <laughs> there's this br- ridiculous uh, sort of bro bonding moment where they give each other a little pep speech, uh, you know, Isaac Clark and I don't even know the other guy's name, Carver or whatever. Yeah, John Carver. Uh, John yeah. Carver, yeah. Do you get that in single player? He shows up every once in a while. I'm not sure if it was the same speech. I mean, at the very, like, there was this super infuriating part when, you know, John Carver gives the codex to the bad guy because no, he's right. threatening Ellie. <laughs> and, and you're like, are you stupid? Are you the dumbest person ever? What's happening? Right. Well, that's, it, it, it's because that's how, like, every movie, every cliched, boring, bullshit summer movie does that. But you thing. say that, McMaster, but they don't. I mean, he, the good guy basically is saying, here, bad guy, have this thing here that's going to end the galaxy so that Isaac Clark can have his girlfriend back. For I mean, like, well, if it had been Isaac that did it, okay, maybe. All right, I, yeah, and like Graham said, exactly. So this is going to... You know, he's going to get his girlfriend back, and then the galaxy's going to end and be over. I mean, what? that made no sense. I just didn't. Oh, that was ridiculous. Well, either way, um, he does not get to isolate and abuse a child, so he doesn't care. He's just given up. He's he's <laughs> abused. He emotionally abused one child and a wife. He's not going to have another because mostly everybody else is dead. He doesn't care. He just wants it all to end. And if his buddy Isaac can, you know, have his girlfriend, hey, uh, why not? And plus, okay. he, he he killed Santos too, the, that 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 woman general who ends up just sort of shrieking and being needing to be rescued all the time. That was terrible. 
Yeah, you know, I, I still think that they, they just killed two ancillary characters, because that was... Tom and I have this discussion about who died in the spaceship. Okay. Like, you remember when the re-entry part? Yeah. Uh, where somebody gets, like, a razor blade to the head or something, because I guess there's just razor blades and ships. Now, I, I know, it's probably just a piece of it's the... A, it's a piece of the ship. Yeah, there's two right. There's two, two dudes die, or two, I mean, two people. I think one of them is a woman. Um, well, and, I, and I had mistakenly thought, uh, actually the first couple of playthroughs, that the boyfriend was at the helm, and that Santos, that black general woman, that she was at the navigator's, the Uhura station, or whatever that would have been. Uh, <laughs> and you, you show her getting blown out of the ship, and you show the guy at the helm getting a piece of debris straight to the face, and you know, it exposes his brain. And as I was watching that scene, I really liked it because I thought, wow, they just killed that chick. You know, they just killed the general chick. They just killed the boyfriend. And now Ellie gets killed. Like, I, I mean, that first, the first time I played through that, I thought that was kind of a cool, bold, chilling scene. They just killed oh, yeah. all the characters. That would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it would it have really added. And it would have added to this sense of, of, of horror and this, this kind of existential outer space loneliness, I think. Yeah. But, but I, had no. a similar, I had a similar situation much earlier in the game where in the very first lunar chapter, you're, you're trying to escape. You've just been contacted by who's going to turn out to be the asshole boyfriend. And he's like, okay, we've got to get to this roof. And you run up to the roof, and the bad guy's there waiting for you. And he starts the conversation by shooting a guy, just mm-hmm. some guy that's up there. And I thought, because this was really the only other character we'd seen, oh. it was the boyfriend guy. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought this was going to be some dude I'd have to deal with, but he's dead. This is That's hardcore. Right. I, but, thought, I thought he was dead. I, I See, I got, I got jacked out of a few chapters because <laughs> <laughs> I played with Tom. So uh, that's not what happened? The, I thought that dude got shot in the, the head or no. whatever. Uh, Graham is- eventually, he does eventually on the planet, but if... <laughs> At, at, at the very beginning of the game, you're oh, you're, oh. Meeting, you're just meeting a generic extraction team, and that's all they are. But just at the time, it wasn't clear to me because the only right. character, like I said, I had met was this general guy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go meet him, and he'll get me out of this, out of the lunar colony. And then I see some some oh. guy getting shot, and I assume it's him. But turned out, unluckily for everyone, it was just some poor, you know, pilot. Um, it's probably our right guy. Exactly. Probably not the right guy. This other guy definitely deserves <laughs> definitely deserves that. So yeah, I had that same experience where I was like, wow, what a ballsy move. You introduce a character, you kill him off. This is, you know, this is pretty horrific, uh, especially a character that already seemed like they would be a major character. Uh, but it turns out, nope, he was in for the long haul. Um, and I regretted it. it. It's really a shame that they can't get decent writing. I mean, given the production values, given the kind of unique feel that this series now has. Uh, it's a shame that they just can't create any sort of narrative anything here. I mean, it's just so uninteresting and ridiculous and so many missed opportunities. Uh, they should uh, get Dan Hauser to write it. Uh, well, you know, it would be an improvement, <laughs> I, I think. It, yeah. it would, yeah, it would just be aliens, so. though. I mean, that's, that's your overall issue, but yeah. Uh, all right, so there's uh, some Dead Space Three talk. Uh, I yeah, I I couldn't be more surprised. I'm 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 really happy with it. I think we all are. Uh, McMaster, have you then? Are you ready now, McMaster, to play hardcore mode with me? Uh, I have not finished those chapters yet. Now, okay. Once once you are, uh, I need you to just give me all your tungsten. 
because I'm going to need it to make better <laughs> weapons. Uh, Absolutely, and, yeah. And you just, I'm going to need you to just carry all your inventory slots. I need you to uh, keep them full of med kits, and every now and then give them to me. Oh, oh yeah, okay, sure, I got that. Yeah, that's so good. yeah, you're, you're my med kit Sherpa, basically. Okay. And um, limber up the X, the X button mashing finger for uh, the cutscenes. Yes. Oh God, McMaster, don't you dare die during one of those flying scenes. Uh, <laughs> I, I love, by the way, when we're playing co-op. Uh, there's always, and, and when you do something stupid to die and die, and you're like, "Oops, I just got killed." It's always nice to know that the other guy got killed first when you see a message. Your partner has died, and I know that McMaster screwed up before I screwed up, so I can, in that case, I can berate him. Uh, rather than the other way around. Uh, and I also love uh, when you're trying to use a ladder and uh, the, the and the other guy is on the ladder, he gets a message saying, your partner needs more space, <laughs> which, which sounds like something you'd hear in a, in a marriage counseling session or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk some games of the week and news of the week. So none of us can pick Dead Space 3 as our game of the week, by the way. I'm just letting you guys know. Um, but first, news of the week. Master, what do you have for us for news of the week? All right, my news of the week is that Dragonborn for Skyrim is now available on the PS3, and it came out recently on the PC. However, they are... Um, it is the uh, first of the new stuff, like the release of Hearthfire and Dawnguard are also coming. But Dragonborn is the cool one, and it's 50% off uh, during the launch week. So uh, that means 10 bucks instead of 20 and if you have Skyrim on the PS3, which I know a lot of our uh, listeners are PS3 fans, uh, get it now while you can. Man, yeah, I, I think uh, I played that two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like two months ago. Yeah, it was pretty. It's, it's pretty stark, you know. And the fact that like Hearthfire and everything hasn't come out on the PS3 yet, and Microsoft must have done something. McMaster, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think Skyrim works on a PS3, does it? I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, good news for PS3 owners, finally. Uh, Graham, what do you have for us for news of the week? I have a a very intriguing piece of news that basically it's possible that the PC Classic System Shock 2 will be sort of tinkered with to be made compatible with modern systems and released on the good old games digital store. Um, there's basically no news about it yet, except that a, a, a company called Night Dive Studios has appeared and says that they're doing this. Uh, or actually, that's not true. <laughs> they haven't said they're doing this. But they've appeared, and sources connected with them have indicated that that might be happening at some point um, if you go to the Night Dive website, you can see uh, they have a store that has a picture of their logo, which is a skull in a bathysphere helmet with some tentacles next to it. So that's pretty cool. Um, but no news, no news, um, except that uh, they link the news story from Flesh Eating Zipper that broke this news. Uh, no less a source than Flesh Eating Zipper. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, sometime in the near future, uh, old old players who remember it will be able to pick up System Shock 2, and players who never had a chance to play it can check it out for the first time. I wonder how that game. would. I wonder how that would hold up. 
Uh, yeah, like, I do too. And I'd, I'd love to find out. And I, I have to say too, I do get because of all the resource management that gives it an almost RPG feel and the survival horror playing in pure survival mode. Uh, I get a kind of a System Shock Two vibe from my Dead Space Three time. Just this idea of trying to survive in abandoned spaceships and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, System I, Shock Two is horrifying though. At least it has a better story. <laughs> oh, much, much better story. <laughs> yeah, much better story. Uh, all right, so my news of the week, uh, similarly vague uh, as Graham's, but I think we can read between the lines. Uh, so Gas Powered Games kickstarted a game called Wild Man uh, right about a month ago, almost exactly a month ago. Uh, shortly after the Kickstarter began, they announced, uh, Chris Taylor, the, the head over there, announced that he was having to lay everyone off. Uh, his intentions were noble, though. He was just hoping that the Kickstarter would come through. He would then be able to hire them. They would make Wild Man. Uh, it's been very touch and go. Chris has been doing uh, yeoman's work. Actually, that's not the right phrase. He's been doing uh, admirable work. Uh, publicizing the Kickstarter, getting out there and talking about what he wants to do with Wild Man, what his hopes are for the company, his fears. He's been very frank and very candid. Um, uh, and it looked like it was going to be a really close finish, if whether or not it was it was going to pass the Kickstarter. Well, uh, five days, I believe, before the ending, um, Chris announced, um, and not glumly, he seems pleased about this, that the Kickstarter is canceled. And he will have more news soon. So uh, you might hear that and think, oh, that's too bad. Gas-powered games will not be making Wild Man. Chris will not be hiring the staff back. Uh, but that's probably not the case. Uh, most likely what happened is he managed to get a publishing deal for Wild Man. Um, and fingers crossed, gas-powered games will be back in business using a more conventional business model to publish this game. Uh, so hopefully that's what happened. The fact that Kickstarter is no longer around means that it's now a fully viable commercial product that will be made by the entire staff at Gas Powered Games. And we look forward to hearing oh. more about that soon. You know, and speaking of Kickstarter, our uh, our friend John's uh, Kickstarter at the gates is funded at this point. He still has mm-hmm. three weeks to go. Yep. So there you go. That's also Bonus news. news. Bonus yes. news. All right. So games of the week that are not Dead Space Three. Let me go first because I want to be brief with this one. Uh, it is not I, – I do not recommend playing simultaneously Dead Space 3 and Aliens Colonial Marines. Uh, they're both sci-fi horror with minor resource management, at least in the case of Aliens Colonial Marines, uh, aspects. Um, but, man, is it painful to have to work your way through Aliens Colonial Marines when, you're, when you've got Dead Space 3 waiting in the other room? Uh, it's just such a colossally, I don't want to say inept, because I don't know what happened, but it, it is such an, a half-baked, underdone game compared to something like Dead Space 3. Um, it, it just the, the actual shooting, there's no joy in it. The locations are just all so completely, they're obviously trying to be nods to things from the movie, but the, the graphics engine is just terrible, and the animation is embarrassingly bad. Um, the the storytelling is even worse than Dead Space 3. Uh, you know, you'd think they might do some kind of cool things with the multiplayer, but it's it's so tedious playing the freaking aliens. Um, I just am so disappointed in it. Um, 
And so I had to play that. I, I pressed a friend into service for co-op, and even co-op is terrible. Most games are fine co-op. I mean, it's, you're, you're just shooting at stuff. But even this, it's just it's it's a depressing game. It's just really depressing that this is what happened to this. Um, so my game of the week, not because I like it, but because man, am I glad I don't have to play it anymore? Uh, is Aliens Colonial Marines? No, oh, I don't know, Tom. Right. I was looking at uh, Metacritic and. Uh, one of those 360 reviews gave it a 9 out of 10. I mean, maybe you just played it on the wrong uh, platform. It could be, and who am I to say? I mean, if you're a huge Aliens fan, maybe you're just so hungry for that that theme that you might enjoy it. So, Actually, Master, go ahead and play through it for me, would you? Can, can, you, uh, can you just run through that game? Yeah. I'm good. No, I mean, I'm just saying that, hey, this review says that it has a co-op experience that takes the genre to new levels or something like that. Uh, to new levels. It does take you to... Oh. You know what? They're not new oh. levels. Because <laughs> the main show offers a four-player co-op experience as a significant step forward from the storytelling in Borderlands, which in my book makes it a pretty big event for the genre as, whole, as a whole. You, wait, you're saying that, McMaster? Uh, no, no, no. This is from an uh, EGM review. Okay, well, that's, that's, uh, that's their opinion, man. <laughs> it's much better than Borderlands, I'm just saying, Tom. We've been wrong this whole time playing the wrong game. Do you guys know that at retcons, by the way, Hicks did not die in in Aliens Three in the David Fincher? Didn't you tell me? That, yeah, I think you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. That is insane. Like what? Well, it's because they got Michael. It's because they got Michael Bean to do the voice work, and they were like, "Oh, wait a minute, where are we going to set this guy?" <laughs> they had to find some way to put him in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, all right, no no sign of Newt though. They're they're happy to let Newt stay dead. So that's too bad. Uh, uh, right, so, you know, it seems like that game could have used an annoying child character. Uh, you know what? It does have these annoying women. It's, it's already got some annoying women, so maybe a, a girl in there? I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's really annoying women in here, by the way. Uh, yeah, everyone's annoying. There's a, the, all the your, your, your main Marine buddy, because the, the thing is, there's no... It's, it does this weird thing where, even if you're playing solo without co-op, you're almost always with other Marines... And they're always running ahead just to go loiter at the next door you're supposed to go through. Um, so, uh, yeah. so a lot of times you're like, you know, picking up ammo and picking up more pieces of armor. And, oh, I can spend a point to unlock something on the gun. And then you do all that. And you're like, wait, where am I supposed to go? Oh, the dude is way across the map over there. So I got to run to where the dude is. Oh, he's waiting there at the door for me. Okay, now we go through the door. And here's where it gets ridiculous. So you go through the door, and you've maybe got three of your marine buddies with you. They rush out, and they're shooting at aliens. I don't think the aliens can hurt them, can do anything to them. Like, they're, they're basically they're, they're infinite hit point meat bags that you just kind of hang back. Like, you can hang back and watch, and the aliens sort of bounce off of them, and nothing ever happens. <laughs> like, there, there are no stakes there. Oh. Uh, I don't understand why they do that or what they were thinking they were going to get away with. By giving you all these invulnerable buddies, because in other games, like somebody might be incapacitated and they'll go down and you'll have to resurrect them or they'll be down until the fight is over. Um, it's, I don't know what they were thinking with this thing. Uh, so, yeah, McMaster, uh, let me give you my 360 copy. Play all the way through and file a book oh. report. For me. Let me know what you think. <laughs> oh, yes. But I need you, McMaster, I need you to play it on Score. my tag. I need you to play it on my gamer awesome. tag for the, for the achievements. Okay, yeah. Okay. Sure, uh, as long as you have your credit card information associated with your gamer tag. Oh, I will not be putting any credit. I got, <laughs> I got oh, I my, 
my Xbox Live account ripped off, and somebody bought like some crazy soccer game and all these add-ons for it, and I, I lost all my Microsoft points, so I'm not putting any more points on that thing. You didn't want to. Uh, you didn't want to get it fixed, though, or whatever, did you? Because you didn't want to lose your 360 for that long. Exactly. If you want, so that, if, you yeah. want if you want your account restored, if I want my fifty dollars of Microsoft points restored, I basically have to be without an Xbox 360 for a month. So I'm like, fine, you guys have my fifty bucks. Sucks. Yeah, I mean that's oh so awful. Thanks, Microsoft. Speaking of which, by the way, real quick bonus news: uh, Games for Windows Live has been dead for five days or whatever. Ha ha. It does not work work at all. No, it does work. They're just having, like, authentication problems. And I think Uh, some games, like Age of Empires Online, has been having issues because it uses games for Windows Live. Uh, It's just just allowing me to indulge in a little uh, Microsoft-related schadenfreude. Um, Yeah. Uh, all right, so my game of the week, Aliens, speaking of Schadenfreude, Aliens Colonial Marines, which McMaster will be playing through on the Xbox 360 to get me some achievements. All right. Oh, yeah. Jason L. McMaster, what is your choice for Game of the Week? Uh, I'm afraid, and I don't even want to ask this because I'm afraid I think I know what you're going to say. <sighs> uh, I, yeah, yeah, no, you also kind of uh, hedged me with the, you can't pick Dead Space 3. Uh, so, because uh, that's like the game I probably played the most this week. But, uh, uh, okay. Well, well, this will be a short one. We'll just say World of Warcraft, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Master, do you want to explain yourself, or should we just should we just all assume the worst? Yeah, I can absolutely respect your privacy if, uh, if no, you if no. you request it. All right. Well, I just moved back uh, to, to my Azeroth. Hometown. To Azeroth, yes. No, to my uh, to uh, my hometown. For I, I'd been away for quite some time, and. Uh, I was uh, talking to some friends, and they all played World of Warcraft, and I had not tried out uh, Magic Panda Time yet, so uh, I decided to give it a shot. Now I like their Collector's Edition boxes, which I'm going to knock Tom out and steal the two I'm missing one of these days. But anyway, you didn't hear that, Tom. Um, and uh, I played just, I don't know, just picked it up the other day, and I've been playing it a bit. I haven't gone crazy or anything. They haven't had to send out a search party. I'm not in any sewers going to Florida pretending to be the dungeon master or something. Which I think people assume from World of Warcraft players. Uh, or really, I guess they just assume that you'll never go anywhere again. But, uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> so yes, I've been, uh, I've been playing World of Warcraft. The game's quite a bit different now. McMaster, maybe if you weren't spending so much time playing World of Warcraft, you could be playing Dead Space 3 in pure survival mode with me. But since you can't, I'm just going to hang out with Graham over here. So there. Oh, yeah. Done. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're the the Nathan of our little love triangle. Hey! (laughs) Does that make me Ellie? Wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah, you're Ellie. Ah, rats! Ellie's a good good person. Ellie's a good person. It doesn't bode well for me. Yeah, right. I mean, but... Ellie lives. <laughs> so do, hey, spoiler. So does uh, so does uh, uh, um, Clark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, McMaster. Uh, oh come on, really? Why do you say that? 
Did you? I, oh, oh, wait a minute. I know, Graham, you did not stay through the credits. I did stay through the credits. You, I mean, you hear, you do hear his voice again. I, I mean, I wasn't sure if we were hearing his last breath or just a breath indicating that he was somewhere breathing. I think what happened was Ellie waited 14 seconds to see if Isaac was okay. She's <laughs> like, hey, anybody out there? Nope, okay, hyperdrive. And then that was it. I think, I think she just did. She wanted some time alone. And now Isaac's got a lot of time alone. <laughs> He's got some things to think. So Dead, Dead Space 4 will be a very short game as you are floating <laughs> above the, that moon and just waiting for your, what is it, 230 seconds of air to count down. Yep. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I have a theory. If, you upgraded, if you've upgraded it to text your old save, and if you've upgraded your rig, ah, yes. you're up there for like five minutes. You know, exactly. Just, you can sort of I've, you can scoot around a little bit, you know. I'm hoping for more of like the jaw, which which what Jaws three was that the one where he swam through the lakes or the rivers and stuff to get to somebody inland. But well, anyway, whichever. I'm hoping for that Jaws effect, like where uh, Isaac uh, swims his way through space back to Earth and goes on a killing spree. I think that would be how I'd end it. That's phase four. Mm, okay, go get do a treatment up on that one for us, Master, and we'll we'll pitch that to Visceral and see how how far we can get with that. I like that. It's like a Friday the Thirteenth kind of kind of feel to it. Uh, all right, so uh, I noticed clever attempt at deflecting from the fact that you're playing World of Warcraft, McMaster. We're not going to forget that anytime soon. You can bet we'll be hearing more. You'll be hearing more about that from us. World of Warcraft, huh? Interesting. All right, McMaster, way to kill video games. Oh my God. Uh, Graham, what have you been playing uh, that you can that that is not as shameful as what McMaster is doing? Well, I have been playing the Devil May Cry reboot by Ninja Theory, hmm? and it's a lot of fun. I'm not I am not a Devil May Cry player. I haven't played any of the others in the series, so I can't. I am in no position to comment on it as a as part of that legacy. But as a super slick action game, you know, combat action game, it, I find it really satisfying and really fun to play, to set up the different combos, use the different weapons, and, uh, you know, actually a story that may not be great, but it, I never wanted to hurt myself after, you know, experiencing it. <laughs> uh, Norton, that Norton dude was not a part of it, for instance. There, there was no embarrassing love triangle, like, right? Well, yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. No, I mean I don't want to praise the plot or anything, but I could watch the cutscenes and have the characters talk to each other and be like, "Sweet, you know, I, I felt fine. I felt fine about the whole thing." So, that's yeah. time. Uh, uh, so, have you? Uh, so, as someone who's not a Devil May Cry player, have you? You've done other brawlers and stuff. Shortly, did it? Did it remind you of anything? Other games? You know, uh, maybe. I mean, maybe like old 2D games like Beautiful Joe came to mind, oh. way, like juggle enemies and stuff. Um, but, and I mean, I'm trying to think of like 3D more modern. You know, actually, Alice uh, Madness Returns reminded me of it in a ton of ways from the combat system where you switch between the weapons for specific enemy types to. The way the levels, the way you're in this like alternate world based on the real world, to finding obscure collectibles that are distributed throughout the levels, to having like really 
uh, junior varsity level platforming. Um, I don't know. Graham, similar. Graham, you have accomplished something that the folks marketing Alice Madness Returned were never no, able to do. No you, shit, right? <laughs> uh, you have made me want to play Madness, Alice Madness Returns. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's like something you started talking about that, and I was like, well, damn. Now I want to know. But yeah. Uh, but I was thinking more. It does have a lot in common, of course, with like the God of War series. Uh, I, I was reminded a lot of Bayonetta, which I really like. Um, yeah. Yeah, I haven't played either of those, so they could be very similar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Bayonetta is very similar. Uh, one of the things, by the way, that I love about Devil May Cry, which I wish Dead Space 3 had done, when you play, there are also some really cool New Game Plus modes in Devil May Cry. Uh yes. And they shuffle up the appearance of the enemies um, to where the battles are now that once you've played through once, you have all the tools. Now when you're playing New Game Plus mode, it shuffles up when you use different tools against which monsters because it's random when the different monsters appear. Uh, and that's one thing. It feels a little oppressive in Dead Space 3, always knowing, okay, in this area up ahead, I'm going to fight these guys, and I'm not going to fight these guys until this point in the story. Uh, I love that shuffled New Game Plus mode. In, in I, think so. I don't think it's random, actually. I'm pretty sure each encounter is 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 set. You know, I think it's labored over. In, in Devil May Cry? <clears throat> in Devil May Cry, absolutely. No, in the New Game in Plus regular. mode. Yeah, and, and when you first play through, because it, it unlocks yeah. weapons con- coinciding with when you need them against certain monsters. Right. But I'm pretty sure at least one of the New Game Plus modes says that it shuffles, that it's random what monsters you'll fight. I don't think it's random. Right. It just uses the full set of monsters from the very beginning. The I mean, this is the Son of Sparta mode anyway, which is like the extra difficulty. Um, right. I mean, oh, so you're, okay. But, I'm so pretty I guess, sure it's not random. Because, I mean, because just after dying and playing, you know, each encounter numerous times, it's always the same. Which I mean, which I appreciate. The, the encounters feel very, you know, feel very put together. You know, a fight between, you know, two of the little flying guys with shields and grenades and two witches or whatever is very different than a fight with a different configuration of enemies. So I do think that they've sort of thought about them and they've tried to put the enemies together for interesting combinations for the player. Right. right. Well, in that case, in that I, I'm just happy that they're different. Then, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they are different. That was something uh, that I really appreciate. Is just right off the bat, I could start a new game, harder difficulty, which was a lot of fun to start messing with, and it was not only harder but also just a new experience. I was seeing monsters in different places, different kinds of monsters, um, and the, the monster designs are so kind of funky and fun that it's really a blast to play through. Yeah, and just a very good combat system, too, without relying too much on esoteric combos and, and stuff. Uh, I really like the combat system in that. Yeah. Yes, me too. As a as a amateur for this type of game, I appreciate it. I, basically, right. you know, why, why, pause, why? That's your, that's your go-to for the advanced combos. But what I really liked is how easy using the left and right triggers made switching the weapon so you could do combos within a weapon, like begin an attack with the sword and end it with the axe. Um, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a new move. It wasn't a new attack. It all just, you know, flows from one to the other in a very, very easy to use way, um, which I thought was very slick. Right. And one of my favorite things, too, about Devil May Cry, I had no... Expectate, like I expected, oh, I'm just going to play a little bit to see what it's like. I never thought that it, I would enjoy it enough to play all the way through it. Uh, that that was a 
huge pleasant surprise for me as someone who wasn't a big fan of the series. Um, Um, It's a very, very strong reboot. Uh, I mean, something I think I mentioned before when talking about it, or I don't know, on this podcast or another, is that it feels... Uh, the controls feel really tight in it, and and that's uh, to me the most important part of a fighting game. You know, it, it's it's something like uh, like with Batman, uh, those controls are so responsive and everything. It just adds a certain uh, connection to the game that you can lose if your controls are a touch sloppy or like Sleeping Dogs uh, or something like that. Uh, I could have done without the last boss battle. The very last one. Yes. Can we cut that out? Sure, yes. <laughs> just, that felt cheap and unnecessary. I didn't need that to happen. <laughs> we could do the same in uh, Dead Space 3. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess so. You know, that, that last boss battle in Dead Space 3 was such a formality. And maybe it's because yeah. I've done it a couple of times, but it's like, okay, I'm just going to do these three things. That last boss battle in Devil May Cry kicks my ass. Like, I, I lose it many times. I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to kill him. I, I, I really? suck at that one. Oh, wow. Wait, Wait, really? You, what do I do? I don't. I don't know. I just did it. It was super easy. I. I mean, I got. I maybe got hit once. Were you playing on super easy mode? <laughs> no, I was playing. <laughs> I was playing on normal mode. I mean, he. So I'm trying to remember. He's the giant demon guy, right, Mundus? No, uh, no, yeah. not that. No, I'm talking about the last, last boss battle against what? the guy you don't think you're going to have to fight. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, yeah. I never done. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't find him that challenging either, but mostly I just used the um, the angel evade and then counterattacked with the uh, the lunge trillion stabs move. Um, I mean, I mixed it up a little bit, but that was my go-to. Right. You just yeah. sort of spammed one effective thing. Yeah, I, he kept blocking me. I mean, I got past it, so I don't and I don't I remember. Mean, I like that fight because I like enemies. You know, it, it felt more like a duel. You know, like an right. enemy with similar moves to me. <laughs> um, That's I a fair point. Yeah, rather than having to like. Sp- just smack the glowing orange pulsing part of some giant character model. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like, well, I need to think about what attack he's going to use. How can I best sort of avoid it or counter it? And some of the enemies were like that too, like those teleporting, um, you know, those teleporting oh, dream well, those, guys. Those guys those are awesome. Guys, yeah, they're awesome. And I got to like them quite a bit just because I did sort of figure out, you know, it felt quantitatively different from the other enemies in terms of how you fight them and what they do and, and how you counter them. Uh, yeah, and even the witches. The, the opponent design in Devil May Cry was just really, really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and how some of the guys would change the terrain you're standing on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just yeah. things like that I really liked. Oh, wait, yeah, you know what? Cool. Uh, my producer is here. Uh, he's telling <laughs> oh, my me, God. He's telling me that we're out of time. Uh, so <laughs> okay. Hello, Mr. Shadowcat. Uh, good pick, Graham. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I really, I hope that folks don't forget. I mean, that that was just a really solid, well-made brawling game, uh, and I hope that doesn't just get written off as another Devil May Cry uh, by folks, because uh, it is perfect for guys like us. You're right for for us dilettantes who aren't big hardcore fighting game fans. Yeah, so. yeah that's how I experienced it. So yeah. I recommend it to all you out there who are maybe asking yourself some questions, some personal questions about how ready you are, this might yep. be a good place to start. We we think you're ready. We have faith in you. Yes. Absolutely. You know, and the other day, I have to say, Tom, you know, the other day you were talking about in one of your posts uh, how was it, L.A. Noir has this great... I really think they did, a, like, facial and animation and acting. I think they did a pretty good job with Devil May Cry. 
overall. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna leave you there on your own because I don't necessarily <laughs> agree. I yeah, I, I was not real fond of those character models. <laughs> no, you didn't like the like. I thought they caught the animation pretty well for the, uh, a lot of the faces, at least. I mean, I'm just mean like the muscle animation. I'm not saying uh, I thought, oh my god, that person's real, but you know. Uh, yeah, the best I can give it is to say eh, it was fine. <laughs> That's as far as I'll go with my praise. Yeah, so. It, it did have some great quips, too. So. Uh, yeah, can't go with you there either, McMaster. You're on your own. You're, you're way more of a Devil May Cry apologist than I am. Uh, oh, uh, so, McMaster, McMaster, tell us what folks are going to be hearing on this podcast next week other than you talking about World of Warcraft. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with just a quick mention, but now I'll have to talk about it sometime, I see. But, yes, apparently me talking about World of Warcraft. Uh, Tom talking about uh, either some indie game that no one's ever heard of, or maybe that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, games news, that kind of thing. You know, little chatting. All right. Well, Graham, thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, while McMaster is leveling up his panda bear, you and I should do some pure survival. Actually, Graham, seriously, if you haven't uh, gotten a chance to fiddle around with the co-op, uh, especially in something like pure survival, uh, we definitely should ho- hook up because it it. It adds a nice new dimension to the game. Uh, That'd be fun, but I'm on my PC, and it sounds like you're next. Oh, good lord, Graham! Playing on the wrong. You can't cast me aside that quickly, Tom. (laughs) 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 Ah, yes. Thanks, Graham. I'm sorry to leave you with him, but. Uh, All right, well, in that case, I'll be waiting for McMaster to finish his playthrough on normal. I'll be doing uh, pure survival. Graham, uh, how many? Xbox Live Microsoft Gamer Score points are you getting for playing on the PC? Uh, I assume none, since I don't have an Xbox Live Gamer Score thing. So I hope not. Otherwise, I should look into redeeming those somehow. You know what, Graham? Everybody has an Xbox Live Gamer Score. It's just that yours is zero. Oh, dang it. <laughs> Give me something to think about at night. That's right. Uh, Well, Graham, thank you so much for uh, being with us here today. And uh, sorry we won't be playing Dead Space 3 with you, but uh, yeah, we're glad. All right, thanks for having me. All right, and uh, we will see everyone here next week. I'm an alligator. I'm a mama, papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. I'll be a rock and rollin' bitch for you. Keep your mouth shut. Just walk a